here noticed that with some situations or experiences, uh, if we can just get perspective of the big picture, it causes us to be uh, able to relax a little more, kind of go with it, go with the flow a little bit more. My own personal devotions recently, I've been working my way down through that period of time when Moses was sent to deliver his fellow Israelites from Pharaoh and, and their slavery to the Egyptians. And one of the things that really stood out to me this time around as I've been looking through and reading through that in, in the scriptures is how informed God kept Moses regarding how things were going to go. You know, he would, he told me, in fact, early on, even before he sent Moses, he said, okay, Moses, you're going to go, and eventually you're going to be right back here at the same spot with the Israelites in tow. They're going to be with you. So that's going to come. And and then as he walked through the process of, uh, remember, the series of plagues that uh, uh, God allowed Moses to bring on the Egyptians and on special, specifically on Pharaoh so that he would eventually let the Israelites go. Like he'd get ready to do a play, uh, one of the plagues, and he'd tell Moses, that, okay, tomorrow uh, I'm going to send frogs throughout the land, <clears throat> and it's going to be terrible. There's going to be frogs in the refrigerators. There's going to be frogs in the milk. There's going to be frogs in the cereal. There's going to be frogs in their shoes. There's going to be frogs in their beds. There are going to be frogs everywhere. And Moses, uh, Pharaoh's going to first at first say to you, okay, okay, take your people and go worship your God. But he's not going to follow through. So don't get too excited. I kept Moses informed all, all, all the way, uh, all along, uh, as he walked through the different plagues, the different things. The, in fact, the setbacks that were going to come along the way, God, God makes sure that Moses understood that it was all under control. It was all happening according to plan. And I think that, at least in part, the writer of Psalm 119, which is what we're looking through right now, uh, in fact, you want to get there, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles or your devices to that spot. Psalm 119, that's, that's part of what he's saying as we move into this next section. We're going to be looking at verses 73 uh, through verse 80 uh, in today's study and, and look at how he responds. Remember, we think that this is probably David. Uh, maybe it wasn't. We're not positive about that. But whoever this writer was, he was in a very difficult situation. In fact, it has become clear He's in a difficult situation at the hands of evil people. That's not always the case. Sometimes it's just circumstances. Uh, could be a virus like we're walking through now. But, but this, he finds himself in a very difficult time. Notice how he begins now in, in verse 73. He begins by saying, Your hands, speaking to God, made me, formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. First, what I see him doing here is acknowledging the fact that God is his creator. He's basically saying is, God, I was produced by you. I have been established by you. I've been sustained by you. Those are all ways that the, the Hebrew word formed could, could have been translated and, and all wrapped up in the meaning of it. And I'm going to acknowledge that up front. So everything else I got to say is based on that reality, that premise. In light of that, in light of the fact that you are my designer and my creator, Lord, give me understanding to learn your commands. In other words, I want to look into your word from the perspective of this is the designer writing to me his design. This is my creator telling me to how to best function as his creation. And 
A few years ago, I bought one of those uh, grass trimmers that's supposed to be self-feeding when you put more need to put more lime in it. The first time I had to do that, it worked great. But then I didn't use it. Then I didn't use it for quite a while, and, and uh, had didn't have to replace the lime for for uh, for a while. And so when it came time, and I finally found out that I needed to put more lime in it, in it I could not get it to work. I couldn't get it to feed in. I ended up taking the whole thing apart, not just once, several times, trying to wind the line, and it still didn't work right. So, so in frustration, I, I just put it away last summer at the end of the summer, and and I didn't use it for the rest of the summer. I just trimmed with my lawn, with my push mower and got as close as I could. Well, this past week, I started to realize that I was going to need that trimmer soon, and and actually, just the thought of that, I I was instantly frustrated. I didn't know how I was going to get that trim line to work right. And then I remembered something the younger generation seems to do reflective, reflects in, at, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You, you, they tend to do with just reflex. Google it. I thought, I can Google it. So sure enough, I, I Googled it and found that there was a video on the proper procedure of feeding the line into the, to the thing so it would spool right. And when I watched that video, I immediately saw what I was doing wrong. As long as I worked according to the design by the designer, it worked really great. When I didn't, frustration, anger, maybe even a few tears, although I won't admit to that. I think this is what David is saying, or whoever wrote this psalm is alluding to here. Once I get the perspective that I'm God's creation, and that the Bible is the instructions from the Creator to me, His creation. Then I have the right perspective, and then I'm approaching the Word of God from the right perspective. I'm approaching life and whatever circumstances I'm walking through from the correct perspective. And then I'm going to begin to understand His commands, uh, believe His commands, trust His commands, as the author writes here. So it goes on, verse 74. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me, <clears throat> for I have put my hope in your word. Two things stand out to me in this verse. Number one, as the author said, you know, as one author wrote, no man's an island. We are never standalone. We always impact others. That's just the reality. But as the writer here has gained perspective of the fact that he is what he's walking through, what he's going through, these difficult circumstances he's in are going according to the Creator's plan and design. As he recognizes that, he recognizes that how he responds to this difficult time is going to have an impact on others. It's not just about him. It's going to impact others around him who are watching him, who are going to take their cues from him. If it's David, we recognize he had a lot of followers, individuals who who had chosen to stand beside him as they walked this time. But they're all watching him to see how is, how is this circumstance going to impact them. And so he's saying, I want people, as they watch me go through this, to actually be cheered up. That's what the word rejoice means. Or it could have been translated that. Uh, can you imagine praying that the way you respond to a very difficult time, very difficult circumstance, actually causes others' hearts to be lifted, to be cheered, actually encourages them. 
That's what he's praying happens through him in the midst of a really hard situation. You know, that's that's an amazing perspective. I've, I've seen this a couple of times in godly circumstance, godly people. Uh, I've had a couple of people I know that are very godly actually go through serious illnesses and some illnesses that led to death. And it seemed like their goal in the midst of that as they walked through that time and into the arms of God was to make sure that they had a positive impact on those around them. An amazing thing. They wanted others to be lifted up even as they struggled. Uh, this could have been translated. My my expectations are wrapped up in your word in what your word tells me, God. So with that in mind, I want to impact others in a positive way. This is an, this experience is a difficult time. Lord, I it has caused me to zone in time to you. That's what I want to do, to cause me even more to trust your word. And as a result, others are being lifted towards you. Verse 75, I know, Lord, that your laws are righteous. And in faithfulness, you have afflicted me. You know, when we find ourselves in the middle of a tough time, we always have a decision to make. What am I going to believe about this situation? Or maybe more to the point for us who are Christians, what am I going to believe about God? In the middle of these circumstances. David says, I've determined to believe that God is faithful, and that God is right, and that his purposes are right, that, that what he's allowing me to go through right now is the right thing for me to be going through, and that he will be faithful in the midst of it. I may not get it, but I trust God. I may, it may not feel good, but I know God, and I know he knows what he's doing. This may be painful, but I know God is right. He's got a purpose, and his purpose is for my best. And, and that is what I have determined to trust in the middle of these circumstances, even though I may not understand the circumstances completely. Verse 76, may your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. Not only does he depend on God's faithfulness, he knows that that faithfulness is completely surrounded and motivated by God's love for him. And that's caused him to find comfort in the midst of the storm. When I know that the one controlling the storm loves me, then I'm not as afraid of the storm. And that's what he's saying here. God, God, this is hard, but I know if you're allowing me to go through this, it's okay because you love me and you will only allow what's best for me. And you are the sovereign God who is in control. And you are faithful. All the things he's just said to us. It goes on in verse 77. Let your compassion come to me that I may live. For your law is my delight. You know, by this point, you might think, based on his response so far to a really hard time, this guy's superhuman. He he uh he just doesn't feel pain. That's his thing. He he just he's got an unrealistic perspective on things. And but but more realism comes back into play in this first because unless we think the writer of the psalm is somehow superhuman, that he, that his faith is so strong that he he somehow is oblivious to how difficult his circumstances are, how painful the process is. Here he cries out to God, please 
show me compassion. Could have been translated, please have mercy. End this, please. I don't know how much longer I can survive this. This is a very human and a very understandable response to a painful situation. It's nothing to be ashamed of. You hear the tension in his heart as he walks through this time. God, I trust you. I know you're faithful. I know you live in me. I really believe that, but this hurts. Please help it to end soon. Please. Verse 78, may the arrogant be put to shame for wronging me without cause, but I will meditate on your precepts. We've seen this before in this chapter. The author has clearly identified that what he's going through is at the hands of evil and unjust people, that it's undeserved. If it's David, then we believe it's probably when King Saul and his soldiers were, were chasing him around the countryside, hoping to kill him. And David had not only done nothing wrong towards King Saul, he had done everything in his power to, to help King Saul, to be a blessing to King Saul. And he was repaid for his kindness by King Saul's hatred, by his mistrust, by his plans to murder him. <coughs> Excuse me. And so from the honest expression of his heart, David cries out, God, not let Saul and his men get away with this. You see what they've done and, and what they're doing. Deal with them, God. In the very next breath, I hear David saying, but God, I don't want to dwell on that. I don't want to become filled with bitterness. I don't want to be sidelined with hatred. I'm going to focus on you, God, and not my circumstances. You'll take care of the other stuff. It's going to trust you. Verse 79, he goes on. May those who fear you turn to me, those, those who understand your statutes. Have you ever noticed that when it comes to people, when it comes to gossip, to slander, to untruths told by enemies trying to do harm, to fake news, as we often hear the term nowadays, there's always some who's who are going to believe it. Even if it's totally false, totally untrue, there's always some who will believe the lie. It's always the case. And the reality is there's almost nothing you could say or do to persuade them otherwise. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in those circumstances, and, and you try to correct their perspective. No, you know that they're, they're believing a lie, but it just seems like the harder you try, the more you sound defensive, the more you... You come across uh, just with them not willing to trust you. So what do you do? Well, you do what this writer did. Turn it over to God. You know, God, clear the smoke. Let the ones who know you see the truth and not believe the lies. It's out of my hands, God, but it's not out of yours. And then finally, God, I, I will not allow their wrongdoing to cause me to rationalize doing wrong as well. Or in response, look at verse 80. May my heart be blameless toward your decrees, that I may not be put to shame. This is David writing these words. He lived up to that prayer, requesting God to help him to continue to do what was right, even in the middle of so much that was wrong being done to him. He had several opportunities, if you remember, to take matters into his own hands, to get revenge on his enemies. He refused to give in to those desires. What's most important is to him was knowing that God pleased him. He refused to, you know, and, and here I am. I think about, again, 
social media and just there's so much venom out venom out there and, and it's really easy if we're not careful as God's followers to get caught up in it to, to hear strong harsh words that we know aren't true and and to want to respond back to give it back to him and David says I'm not going to do that I refuse to fall into that what is most important to me is knowing that God is pleased so he trusted his loving, faithful, sovereign God to do in him what needed to be done through this hard time and to do through him what should be done. So God saw fit to deliver him from this situation he was in. I hope that we can do the same. Father, thanks. Thanks for your word. Thanks for your the integrity of your word. You, As you allow us to walk through difficult times that others had and see how they responded and see their honest hurt and their honest heart in the middle of them. And yet this author's desire to, in the middle of that pain, to trust you, to, he reminds himself that your love is unfailing, that you designed him and, and things are going according to the design, even though he doesn't understand all of why he's going through what he's going through. He reminds himself that you love him and whatever you've allowed into his life is sourced out of that love. And then he asked God that you cause him to be careful not to respond to his circumstances in an ungodly way. That he knows others are watching. And what he wants them to see as they watch him is that he trusts you. And in fact, that their heart might be cheered because of his response to hard things. Lord, that's those are good prayers for us as well. And I do pray it for myself in the middle of this difficult time, Lord, that I might be godly, that I might show that I trust you, that I might show that I know you love me and I can depend on that love and that others might be encouraged for what they see in my life and by they might be encouraged by what they see in the life of your followers. My prayer in the middle of this circumstance. Thank you, God, for honoring that prayer. I pray these things in your son's name.